Uh-oh. I'm feeling it. Yeah, you are. Are you feeling it? I'm not feeling you. I'm, yes, you are. No, 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 no. no. Ow! Howdy, everybody. I'm Robert. And I'm Ira. And this is Anti-Wave. Yes, it is. A podcast all about the movies that don't send you to an island to... Yeah. How about a, a, a podcast all so. about the movies that don't steal your money? How about that? Yeah, that's yeah. B- better. better. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and the reason Robert is doing this dance for us is because the film is the documentary Fire. Fire. F-Y-R-E. See, I knew you were going to spell it. Uh, well, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. F-Y-R-E. And, and our top five is... Top five what? I re- oh, I know what the answer is. No, you don't. Yes, you I do. Look, you're They're movies, movies about... Disappointments. Yes. Disappointment movies. movies. Yeah. All yeah. right. Yeah. So, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing fine. Great. Good to see you. Nice podcast. How's producer see you next Joey? Week. Okay. Until the. Yeah. yeah. Look at producer, producer Joey's Joey. Right, man. Baby's coming Sweet. along. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I'm going to be a dad. I know you are. How are you feeling about I'm that? great. You man. are, aren't you? I'm fucking stoked. It's the happiest I've ever seen you. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. Right now? I'm In general, what's going on? In your life and with your wife. And what about me calling you the other night at two o'clock in the morning, oh, bawling yeah. and, and and get and, me out of this mess? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I didn't think. But you consider Joey, that still being happier than how I've happier been than the, how you've been in the past, right? And also, I didn't want producer Joey to know you made that call, right? But now she does. Oh fuck! Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry. How was that? <laughs> oh, I think we've already got our drop for this show. <laughs> Uh, hey man, what'd you see this week? Oh, are you saying it's time for? <clears throat> Gotta tell you, unfortunately, we must. No, that's the wrong one, isn't it? All right, help us make our. No, that's the wrong. Oh my gosh, Ira, <laughs> get your fucking ditties in order. I'm doing that on purpose. Some are old, some are new. We now present the week. That's review. not the right one either. Yes, it is. Okay, you're fucking with me. <laughs> yeah. gonna... What'd you see this week? All right, first of all, I happened to stumble upon it oh, was on. Boy. Here I we know. Go. I know. Here we go. No, 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 Robert. Isle of Dogs. Oh, no. And I thought, maybe oh, we no. were overly harsh. And I watched the first seven minutes. And it's so true that it is self-consciously cute. It was a forced cuteness. It was being too witty, too clever, and precocious. What a bunch of shit. I was going to vomit. I turned it off after seven minutes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. I, that's, I think I told you it's one of the... That and the Pope movie are the two movies I would have considered walking out. But I didn't because of... But we, didn't we see something since then that was worse? I'm trying. Oh, I know. Is the Orson Welles oh, movie? Yeah. Maybe that was the third one, too. Mm, that was, yeah. That was pretty rough. But man, yeah, I love dogs. Okay, that aside, there are two films I want to acknowledge. You sent me home last week. I with did. A very nice titillating film. Titillating being the Titula- right word. Yeah, yeah. I'll say. And uh, 2004, The Girl Next Door. Mm-hmm. And it served its purpose. You know, by the way, it wasn't what I expected. Mm-hmm. I got to tell you, the whole second half just went crazy you yeah. know and it had kind of a risky business feel certainly yeah had and it zigs a, when it when you think it's gonna yes stand. yeah yes so it really does hold up with the plot points and it was entertaining besides it being titillating and she's pretty to look at that's for damn sure but it, it held my interest yeah. another movie it was what it was supposed to be yeah and it did a good job with it you know paul dano uh, was in it yeah. and, uh, and also that timothy bottoms was as an adult, he looked old because we associate him with like 30 years ago. Yeah. You know, but uh, he was in it too. And thank Timothy you. Timothy Oflant was in it. Yes. And he was great. He's always such a yeah. a badass. Yeah. Yeah. 
What else is he? Done. He was in that TV show. Uh, oh fuck, what's it called? The one that was set in Kentucky, where he's a U.S. Marshal. Huh. Oh fudge! Can you find out what that is, Producer Joey? Uh, he was also in the Crazies, which was really good. It was a, it, it was kind of one of these one-off zombie movie kind of things, and uh, I thought it was a really really good movie. It's all of a sudden everybody in the town starts going crazy and attacking, and kind of kind of like zombies essentially, and and he plays the main character who's trying to. Uh, survive and get everybody out huh. of town. He's so intense. Yeah. And then he snaps and he gets playful again. Mm-hmm. I got to tell you, there's that one scene in the car where, sure, kid, I'll let you off the hook if you suck my dick. Yeah. And I, I was buying it. I really thought, is this really going to go down that path? Yeah. And then just right away, just snaps and he goes, ah, I'm just kidding with you. But it was real credible. He just pulled it off. What was the movie? Justified was the TV show I was thinking about. But the real great show with him in it, if you ever get a chance to see it, is uh, Deadwood. Deadwood is so awesome. And he's the main guy from Deadwood. Right, right, right. So thank you for sending me home with the girl next door. Wait a minute. Are they doing a... Hmm? Wow, looks like they're doing a Deadwood movie. I didn't know that. Wow, I... I, we've stumbled onto some greatness right here. Wow. Wow. Well, looks like they're pull, coming back. I, I've always thought that they would be. They, there was talk about them coming back for, I think, like a fourth season. I think they did three seasons, two or three seasons. And there was all this talk about, uh, you bring it back, bring it back. And, uh, and feature, I thought they would, but it looks like they're doing a feature a movie. film. Yeah, great. Cool. Good cool. for them. He was terrific. It was a fun movie, The Girl Next Door. The other film I want to see, Robert, have you ever. You want to talk about it or you want to see? Oh, you're right. That I want to say. Okay. That I want to say oh, okay. and talk about. I already saw. Um, are you familiar with Picnic at Hanging Rock, the original one? I've always Wait, been on. curious about this movie. Is this the okay? It's, is this the one set in like Arizona? No, little... but it starts with an A and ends with an A. Australia. Oh, Australia. yeah, Australia. This is Peter Weir. This is a Peter Weir film in 1975, and it was a group of schoolgirls out on a picnic, and then they die, they vanish. One commits suicide. You're, have, you've heard of this movie, I've right? I've certainly heard of it. I've I can't, been, I always been aware it. of it. I've always been. I love Peter Weir and what he's he's directed, and it was. Um, they made it seem like it was based on a true story. It's not. It was all fictitious. It was all made up. Yet it was a very haunting and it was it was a mesmerizing film hmm. i just found it quite quite fascinating it was a period piece in the 1900s and uh picnic at hanging rock i've always wanted to see it 1975 i watched it a few nights ago is it a movie and i find that a lot of movies from the 70s especially really need to be redone like modernly updated and they did redo it they? they actually did redo it. It was really? nowhere as good as the original. This is an exception to that rule. This is a movie in the mid-70s that was really, really well done. Okay, so it and didn't yes, need it in the first place. You're corrected. This is one of the few films. I appreciate the premise, your generalization, yeah. but this is an exception to that. The original was much better than the remake. I, you know, we talked about The Conversation recently, and The Conversation is a great film that I don't think anybody should touch. It shouldn't be. Uh, you know, obviously there's there's perennials like The Godfather, Godfather 2, things like that that you don't want to get involved right, in either. But, right, right, right. Uh, you know, some of them, you start thinking about like uh, The Driver and things like that that are like, ah, this this could probably be updated a little right. bit better. Right. And you know what I'll even go so far as to say is the, um, what's the Steve McQueen one with the chase in San Francisco? That's Bullet. Bullet. I even think Bullet could be, stand to be updated. Bu- I agree. Yeah. I, I agree with you. However, speaking of Steve McQueen, and you've heard me say this before, if they ever remake The Great Escape, I'm checking out. That's it. Yeah. I, I, that's, I give up. Yeah. No, I got you. Yeah. I'm with you. Yeah, yeah. So those are the two films. Now, what if someone asked you to remake it? Would a, you do it? As a writer or as the star? 
Can oh you, my God. Wait, can you see me? Oh, can you see me? Could Am you I lower molar the, can, wait, hey, lower God. the, bu- the uh, barbed wire, please. It, it hurts down here. A motorcycle? I have a Vespa. <laughs> it's the motorcycle. I'll jump that fence on my orange pistachio. The great it's a pistachio. Juice-scape. Yeah, the juice The great juice very funny. Instead of all the uh, the great <gasps> escape music, it'd be the fiddler on the roof. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> if I were a rich man, that's so. Funny. All right, all right. That's what I saw. Robert, what did you see? I saw a bunch. I'm going to zip through some of these. Uh, I did. I did watch Blue Crush. Actually, I was inspired. Did you? I, I went back and watched it. And, and I was like, did you? It's great. It's great. It does what it's supposed to do. Uh, <laughs> I watched Payback the other day, uh, just as a uh, kind of a whim. Payback, saw yeah. it was uh, streaming on Hulu, and I went, "Hey, what the hell? I love Payback." Um, I watched a couple other uh, movies. I did watch Glass, the uh, the new. Oh, you saw that? I did, and uh, and it was, uh, okay. Because we saw the second one together. Right, we saw Split. Split. We that saw was one that of together. our very early. That was one of our first ones. It was yeah. one of our first ones. So you saw Glass. I did, and uh, mixed it's, reviews. It's, it's okay. Make, you know, you know. I mean, it it, it kind of delivers what you expect, but. Uh, I feel like you could sum up every single M. Night Shyamalan movie with just an expression after each, like, uh, the premise of, I, well, okay, I'll do it, I'll do it. I'll do my little bit for you. Good. Bruce Willis is actually dead. Huh. Wow. All right. I know. Bruce Willis oh. is actually invincible. Huh. Huh. All right. All right. The aliens are actually afraid of water. Huh. Well, there you go. Wait. The village is actually in modern times. <clears throat> okay. The happening is actually plants. Okay, what the fuck are we doing now? And every movie just gets progressive. You said worse. Bruce Willis. I think you meant to say M. Night Shyamalan. Isn't that correct? But you're, you're doing M. Night Shyamalan. Shyamalan. Right, movies. right, right. Okay. Yeah. I thought you said Bruce Willis. No, okay. M. Night Shyamalan. Yeah, that's movies. what you meant. Okay. Yeah. God, that's really nice. I also Don't like, you think? Yeah. You're summing it up in one it's hook, just kind of one sentence huh. hook. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. The, mm. you know, is actually, mm. He's the one who's actually dead. Every actually, one of them, just the reaction of like, ugh, who fucking yeah, cares? Yeah. However. Yeah. The sixth sense was brilliant. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, that was the brilliant. Yeah, that one. was that was the everything one. Ah, after that went wow, down. All right. Yeah. 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 And then it was like uh, the next one. Yeah. Yeah. And then. Uh, and then. Uh, yeah. Hey. Yeah. Hmm. I did watch a great couple documentaries. I watched some good ones. Yeah. I watched. Uh, tell. Forty-two to one. Not familiar with that. I, I doubt that you would be. <laughs> and here's why: they're part of the ESPN Thirty for Thirty series. Why? And is this sports? Are we talking yes, sports here? Of course. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. As soon as I say ESP, you check out. What's that stand for? Does anybody <laughs> really know? Uh, I used to. Know. I know. But it's you would think they'd sports pick network. A, ESPN. Right. What's the e? sports programming sports network? network? I don't know. Okay. Professional okay. network. Yeah. Chris Joy will find out. Uh, I did watch two of them. One was forty-two to one. It was about the Buster Douglas Mike Tyson fight. Do you know? Do you know I'm about not familiar this? with any sport? We're about to find out. Well, what you know the who ESPN, Mike Tyson is, yes, right? ESPN stands for ESPN stands for Entertainment and Sports Programming Network. Yeah, that was pretty cool. I said Sports Programming Network. Yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, Mike Tyson and Buster Douglas. Do you, you know who Mike Tyson is? Didn't he like hit people for a living? Yes. 
I'm going to hit you for a little. Uh, but it's when he lost his his title when he the first time he ever got knocked down he lost the fight to Buster Douglas it was a fight in Japan and the odds were 42 to 1 against Buster Douglas and no one thought Buster Douglas was going to win it was one of the biggest upsets in sports history and it was about their fight and they interviewed Buster Douglas and kind of what happened to him afterward a little bit they talk about but kind of what led up to the fight it's a really interesting documentary and then I watched another one clever right title by the way yes. I like that title yeah. a lot I watched another one right after that called Doc and Daryl, and this is another ESPN uh, 30 for 30 series. And growing up in the 1980s, I was a huge New York Mets fan for baseball. And this documentary followed the two superstars of the team, the New York Mets, that won the World Series in 1986. And they both had drug problems. Daryl Strawberry and Dwight Gooden, they both had a bunch of drug problems, in and out of rehab constantly. And um, they were just kind of these, um, man, how do you describe it? Like these two stars that were orbiting each other and were friendly, but they uh, they almost made each other worse. And they just, their lives just kept kind of getting all fucked up. And they could not, they couldn't get clean. And I, I still don't think they're clean. I think that one was released a couple of years ago. And in the interview, it looked like, it looked like they still had a bunch of demons to wrestle. Hmm. It was, I don't know, I found it really interesting. I'm obviously a sucker for that because I was a huge fan of the team and a huge fan right. of those guys. And, you know, at the time it was, uh, they were huge sluggers and a huge pitcher. So it was, it was a big deal when you're eight years old. Anyway. I like that you watch as many documentaries as you do. I, I, I love you, a I know, I know. I was even thinking for our top five this week. I went out of my way to try to come up with a one or two oh, document. I, I don't think I have any. No, I didn't either. Yeah. We don't have any documentaries. We only no, have narrative no. films, huh? Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. Interesting. All right. Nice. Hey, man, you want to get into it? Uh, shall we do the main film? Let's do it. Okay. And Robert, talk us through it. Okay, so Fire. Uh, this is the Netflix documentary about the Fire Festival that happened in 2016. Is that correct? Am I remembering that correctly? I'm not I sure. I think it was 2016. But it was the last two or three years. Yeah, and uh, so the Fire Festival, in case you haven't heard of it, this was a... Um, uh, a, a giant music festival that was orchestrated by Billy McFarland, and he's kind of a known scam artist. Uh, he wasn't super well known before the Fire Festival, but he creates this festival really as a way to promote his new app, which was a, a way to get people to hire celebrities. So if you want Ira for your bar mitzvah, if you want to have JLo perform, you could use this app that would basically allow you to have some sort of access it's to a booking her. app, right? Right. Yeah. right. And the Fire Festival was kind of a launch for this app. The app was the real main sell. And um, it was 2017. Thanks, Mr. Joey. So it was just uh, you know, a couple of years ago that this happened. Anyway, they get all of these celebrities to come down and models to you know, shoot this promo video. It looks great. And uh, they try to sell tickets to everybody. All these people bought tickets and they show up and it's a big fucking disaster. And if you remember this in the news, yeah. it was talked about. Uh, quite heavily that they were being served. Uh, they were promised food, luxury food, and they were given like cheese sandwiches. Is that famous photograph? Right, the cheese sandwich. Right. Yeah, yeah, on a styrofoam plate. There's a very th- that that became viral. Yeah. That photograph. Right. Oh, what do you think? What do you think about this documentary? Yeah. Well, and and again, we want to emphasize there are actually two, and we're talking about the one that was on Netflix. Uh, what's it a fire colon the greatest party that never happened yeah I think something that, like that's that. what it's called something like that yeah and i i heard about the event i remember it happening and i liked this documentary mm-hmm. a lot 
I, I liked it a lot. And I'm at a bit of a disadvantage because I know you saw both. You saw the one on Hulu as right. well. And that and was I'm, called Fire Fraud. I'm curious about comparing and contrasting the two. Mm-hmm. And uh, from what I from what I read, that the um, the one on Hulu is a bit more damning and not as uh, forgiving yeah. as, as the one on Netflix. Well, that? the one on Netflix was actually, uh, as I understand, produced by the the publicizing, the team that did the publicity for the Fire Festival. So they were not going to be quite as damning to themselves, certainly. They really wanted to place the responsibility squarely on the shoulders of Billy McFarlane. Right. And Hulu does not pull punches towards Billy McFarlane, but they also kind of point out that there were other people that were complicit in, in the whole festival and really helped make it what it was and it was uh, a disaster but also the hulu the hulu festival or the hulu version uh really showed that the festival was more of a scam than the than the netflix documentary the netflix documentary made it seem like things just weren't coming together but hulu made it seem like oh no they knew this was not going to work and they plowed ahead and kept trying to get more money and get more money um, there was a lot more focus on the scam aspect, I think, in the Hulu documentary. See, and that's a, a wonderful question I, I'm so curious about, where he, B- Billy? Yeah, Billy, Billy McFarlane. Again, was was he, was this whole thing a scam from the get-go, or kind of what was implied in the Netflix film, I think that the intentions were noble, but it got out of hand and it got desperate. Which is it? Well, of course, there's no way to know for sure. Yeah. And I'm sure if you asked Billy, he would say sure. this was legitimate. But I think he had basically created a long, long list of robbing Peter to pay Paul. I mean, there had been one scam that led into another scam that led into another scam. Uh, the Hulu documentary detailed this a little bit more, but he got into a really uh, <laughs> like a, a big, long, complicated scheme of selling tickets to events that didn't that he didn't have tickets to. He would sell tickets to Hamilton, uh, the musical, and he didn't have tickets to it. He didn't have seats. And so then he would scrounge them up by borrowing a bunch of money and paying for them. And then he would need to pay that money back. So he would have to sell tickets to the Super Bowl or something like that. So he kept creating these scams that were based around events that he would just create tickets for and then sell them. And... He would then need to borrow money to pay back the people that loaned him the money to get the tickets in the first place. So it just kept snowballing. And a lot of that was tied in with his uh, credit card company that he had created. And uh, I'm sure you've got it here somewhere. Where is it? The uh, Black. B- no, it starts Uber. with an M. What's it called? A mega. Me- hmm. Nah, it's not on here. But he had created a specialty kind of uh, hipster credit card that everybody was uh, trying to get, especially in, in New York. And it had all these... Uh, concerts that were attached and social gatherings. And, and it was like a metal that. card. Right. And it was cool. It was like status. It yeah. meant that I have stuff. Right. Right. So uh, at, any, at any rate, I think, I think that it probably was a scam from the beginning, but I think he thought he could probably pull it off, but he would make money. One of the things the Hulu uh, documentary showed was that when he was getting desperate for cash, he stopped all of the general admission... Um, Magnesis, that's what it was. Thanks, Producer Joey. Magnesis, that's the name of the card. One of uh, What Hulu said is that when he started getting really desperate for cash, he closed out all of the general admissions uh, tickets. The Netflix documentary that we're actually reviewing officially for this show, because we didn't do both, we just chose the Netflix documentary. The Netflix documentary made it seem as if he actually 
honestly sold out all of the general admission tickets. But Hulu says, oh, no, he needed money, so he closed them out and then created uh, more higher bracket tickets. Like, hey, if you want to go, sorry, all the general admission is gone. Now you have to buy the $10,000 or the $50,000 tickets So, uh, in an effort to get more money. So I think from the beginning it was kind of a scam. I think he thought that he could probably pull off getting some people out there and uh, you know and, and perform and and have a decent festival but i think he was also just someone who believed his own hype right right what do you think as far as the documentary itself i i really liked it a lot i thought it was very satisfying it did what it was supposed to do i liked the way it was broken down where we saw a little bit of the backstory uh the setting up of the festival of course we saw the festival itself and all that went down with that with the, the cabana they changed islands mm-hmm. they changed islands in the middle of the show and and getting the cabanas and all these poor people being stranded they had to stay in, in tents yeah. with the rain and the mud and where were all these beautiful thin leggy models so it was. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Well, Ira, where? Okay, let's describe your trip to the Bahamas when you've got these fire tickets. Yeah. All right. So you you, you hop on the plane. What's yeah. your emotion? Walk me through it. How do you feel when you're getting on the plane? All right. I'm on the plane. Did we take off yet, or are we we're just about landed? to take off? We're about to take so off. So we're still at LAX. Yeah. Your your cock is rock I'm hard. hard. I'm rock hard. Yeah. And do I, you just masturbate right there in oh, your yeah, seat, yeah, or do you yeah. go to the bathroom? All the like above, a in my seat and in the bathroom. Okay. So I'll do both. Yeah, yeah. Right. And then, um, and then when I land, well, you have to keep in mind that if I was, if this festival was running as it should and it was a huge success, yeah. can you imagine what it would be like? I, I, I've got to tell you that I don't like the beach. I don't like sand. You know, <laughs> I, and I, I squint. Do you like the, models I, listen, and, and hot women? But that's not my point. I squint a lot in the sun. I tend to squint. I'm very pale. Ira, you squint at, a lot by candlelight. <laughs> I'd have to, and I'd have to put on that suntan lotion with that. What's that? That number that they put on? I've got a 95 SPF. That's it. I knew you'd know those letters. So I'd have to put that all over my arms, my legs, and then my hairy chest. And then you leave I, a big dollop can, on your nose. Uh, yes, yes, yes. I go out there, yeah. and I don't like sand. You know, it's just very sandy. So I don't like that. And I don't want to play volleyball with these hot babes. So I would just volleyball. like to... I would just... Yeah, I mean... How about uh, gobble okay. ball? A gobble. All teasing aside, I don't think I would enjoy that festival scene. I'm, I'm being... And you wouldn't either. No. You're not built that way. No. You're not built that way. No. I right. don't like big festivals. Well, you, you don't like, like, like big festivals. I hate sleeping no. in tents. That sounds awful. Right, right. And you don't drink alcohol. Yeah. So you so it's it's not an event for us. Uh, I'd like to take one or two of the scantily clad babes back to my tent, but I wouldn't want to participate in all the bravada. It's not my style. Mm. Nor yours. I would... L- I know. I would almost I'd pay squ- the thousand dollars to I'd send go, you there. Well, can you imagine? I go up and say hi. Yeah, my name's Ira. It just wouldn't just, work. You know, be a misfire. I, after the third hour of you going, what the fuck is going on here? What's going on here? <laughs> and then them serving you cheese sandwiches. Yeah, oh, man, you yeah. lose your shit so yeah. much. Yeah, and there's Who- no internet. I can't use Tinder. The internet was. <laughs> <laughs> Who would have a worse time of it? You were. You were amazed. You're asking. You who, you who would, would be more upset. I, I would be more tightly wound and frustrated. You, my friend, would make the best of the situation. Yeah? Yes. How so? I don't know if I believe what I just said. <laughs> no, I, this is a great question. Who would make the best of that horrible situation? Neither of us belong there. Right. Who, between the two of us, would make the most of it and and push through and get through it? Okay. I don't... That's a real interesting question. What do you think? 
I feel like I probably could have snagged us a tent. So I feel like I, I, I would have hook, rook, or crook. I would have come up with a tent. Did you see that part? I can't remember which documentary. If this is in Hulu or if this is in the uh, Netflix documentary, but one of them was saying that they were running for for tents when they finally just said, "Everybody, go grab a tent." And there was there were some guys that had a tent, and they said we didn't want any neighbors, so we started slashing the tents near us so no one would take those tents. Yeah. It's How the Netflix fucked one. Up. I know, I know. Well, I, there also became a bit of a mob mentality, which right. we talked about too, when the people weren't hoarding. being paid. The hoarding was going on. They were disgusted. Who could blame them? And it was the antithesis of what they... How much money did they spend? The, these wealthy shits <laughs> paid this large sum of money to go there. Yeah. Thousands and thousands of dollars. And they were just sleeping in, in tents, not a cabana like they were promised, and with lousy, lousy food. And it was not like the the promo. We should say that they had a promo, which was beautifully shot. Mm-hmm. I like what they said in the documentary. There were actually um, two festivals. The first one they set up just so they could tape it, so they could record it. Like as 60 part of the, people. That's right. right. Showing people frolicking in the ocean with all these girls on surfboards looking real hot and stuff. That was the first festival. Then the second festival was really the festival that was the antithesis of what they were promised. Right. So, Yeah. But I, I want to say with, with everything, the, the cabanas, remember the wristbands right. where they had X amount of money? And, and, and you have scan- to load up the yes. wristband before yes. you go. Yeah. And, and we recommend $300 a day. Oh, my God. I know. I know. Dollars? So with everything else and the horrible conditions and, and the fact that the workers, and this is the last third of the movie where it was a dismal, epic failure, and the workers who constructed the 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 sets, the stage, everything else were not paid or putting up the tents I and so awful on. For them. I did too. Yeah. I and, feel really bad for them. And you kind of knew they were going to be the ones to get fucked yep, over. Yep, and they really were. They really were. And I know, I don't mean to jump ahead, but let me just say this now. One of my money shots was the Jamaican woman. Mm. And she just said words to the effect of um, this. I was hurt very, very much. And she just paused. The camera lingered on her. Yeah. You could just, she was just feeling those words. What a horrible thing that happened well, to her. Well, the scene that you're talking about, too, she's talking about paying out her em- employees, That's people right. that work for her. That's right. And That's I think right. she said she lost about $50,000. That's right. And that was all of her money. That she said, I needed it for it with her Jamaican accent for a rainy day. That's what she said in her Jamaican accent. Right. She was, stri- she was robbed. Yeah. Absolutely. She was robbed of this money. And what, what's really sad is that she did the right thing. It's like, look, why? I mean, she's she could have just balked and said, sorry, I can't pay you. But that's not the right thing to do to the workers. The workers have been promised this money. You've promised them. And the right thing to do is to pay them out. And then you suffer. I mean, that's part of the, the, the trials and tribulations of being a business owner. You know, and that's just what she had to do. And look what Billy did in the last third of the documentary that he was out on bail Mm. and he's setting up another scam. Yeah. He was setting up yet another scam. Some people are built that way. I I mean, that's sociopathic. Yes. And I will tell you, since I saw the Hulu documentary, uh, they really didn't let him off off the hook too much. Uh, They they asked him some tough questions. You know, they they were like, are, are you a pathological liar? You know, and they start asking him these these kind of tough questions. Famously, the Hulu documentary uh, paid for the interview with Billy McFarland, and the Netflix documentary would not pay uh, his fee to, to shoot with him. That's why he's not in the Netflix documentary. Got it. And in the Hulu documentary, they they lean into him, and they're 
they don't pull back. So he's actually interviewed. In the, yeah. I see, I see. And you're right. They didn't do that in the Netflix one. Yeah. So we see him as a talking head yeah. uh, answering questions. And there oh, are some real awkward moments where you're like, oh, oh that's dude, what are you doing? And they, they catch him. He, he There's several times where he's like, uh, I never lied. And they're like, what about this? What about this? What about this? What about this? And they just start rattling off stuff. And he's he's delusional. You know, I, I really think that's true sociopath. I do too. Yeah. Hmm. Would you invite him to your home? No. I don't think I'd want him in would my you home. Want, just no, he's seriously. A would you? Would you want? If you were, if he was out, he's in jail right now, right? Right. He's in jail. Couldn't? Wouldn't you want? If you could have dinner with him? No. Wouldn't? No. Would you want to have a cheeseburger with him, or a cheese sandwich on the styrofoam plate? Yeah. <laughs> you would. I'd find it interesting to spend forty-three minutes with him. Hmm. Talk about. Well, let me stuff. ask you another question because something yeah. else that I did watch this week. Uh, this week was incidentally the 30th anniversary of Ted Bundy's execution, and Netflix also released another documentary about the the Ted Bundy tapes. And so I, I sat down and watched right. that. And um, I've always been kind of fascinated with Ted Bundy because he's a true sociopath as well. Like I mean, I've said before, I don't think there's anybody that's as evil and and low on the human scale as Ted Bundy. He's probably about as despicable as you can get. And I would I think he's just misunderstood. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I would even put him on a certain level. I hope you could understand what I mean when I say possibly even lower than Hitler, because Hitler, at least I'm, I'm about to make excuses for Hitler and I don't want to do that, but do it. Hitler didn't directly kill the people. It was a machine. There was a removal, you know, from it. But with Bundy, he's physically choking the life out of someone, the, the, and he's staring. It's like into you're saying, like eyes. Manson also did not actually murder right. anyone. You're sort of saying the same thing, right? right. With him, yeah. But uh, with Bundy, it was so there were so many women, right? And it was so, um, you know, I I think that he had to have understood what he was doing was wrong, and that's what he enjoyed. He enjoyed hurting those people, which is so fucked up. Now, my question to you. Would you sit down with someone like Ted Bundy if mm. you had the opportunity? Yeah, I'd be more comfortable with Billy, that's for sure. Well, yeah, me too. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm, but I mean, let's. Um, you're guaranteed safety. You're guaranteed. Am I guaranteed safety? Yeah, you don't have to worry about your physical safety, but just as a conversation, you would say no, wouldn't you? You, you, I know, and I'm surprised you say no. I can tell from how you frame the question. I can. Understand the so, value of you're it. You're so curious about the human condition. I I'm am. serious. That's true. You love that stuff, digging deep and understanding what motivates people. Right. You love that. I do. I'm surprised you're leaning towards the no. The Robert I know and love would. I can appreciate say yes. both sides, honestly. I'm yeah. not saying no. Yeah. I'm saying I get it. I understand it, but in a, in a weird sort of way, it almost it almost celebritizes them. You know, mm-hmm. it almost kind of. Uh, rewards them with this kind of reverence and uh, and almost hero worship that they didn't deserve. Fuck Billy McFarlane. He screwed up for a lot of people. Right. He's smart. Yeah. He's, he's smart. Conniving. He's conniving. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it, I think it's really easy for all of us that didn't go to Fry Festival, Fire Festival, not Fry, Fire Festival, to laugh at the millennials who spent a bunch of money and you know we ah ha ha you got what you deserve you were rich you spent money that uh that the rest of us would never dream of spending to go do this thing for a big weekend but 
Dude, that's somebody's money. Like, that's... That's their effort. That's their time. And who knows what sacrifices they made in order for make, to make that happen. And here Billy McFarlane is not trying to make good on it. And it'd be different if it was like, look, I totally fucked up. And I'm going to try to make it good to every single one of these people. I'm going to pay you back. And it's going to take me a long time. But I will try to, to do something right here. Right, right. You know, like, if you said something like that, he'd still be a piece of shit. But not as big. You'd sure. have to be like, well, all right. He just really got in over his head. And I really think something something that we haven't even mentioned is we haven't mentioned Ja Rule yet. And Ja Rule, you know, he starts sending out all these tweets saying, I am not responsible for this and everything we else. We should say he's a rapper, right? Right. He's, okay. And he was, uh, he was someone who Billy McFarlane had met in New York and kind of sucked into this whole scheme. And, and I think probably Ja Rule didn't suspect that this was going to fall apart. I think Ja Rule was drinking the Kool-Aid too. I think he thought that the whole thing was going to come together in the end. And when it didn't, I think it was really quick to wash his hands of the whole situation and say, it's not me. It's not me. It's not me. But if it was a success, he'd be saying it was me. It was me. It was me. Right. Right. So which is it? You can't have it both ways. I mean, you're, you're, your face is all over this thing. And to say that you're not, you know, that you're not responsible for it, I think is, is untruthful. There's a lot of people that believed that the festival would be successful because Ja Rule put his name on it. Right, right. And Blink-182, all these other bands. I know Blink-182 pulled out at the last minute, but you... I mean, other people bought their tickets because you said you were going to be involved. I mean, even the people who didn't show up, they're, they should be held responsible for it. That's true. But getting back to your core question about uh, Ted Bundy, I think I would be open to spending 20 minutes with him. Would you? Yeah. What would I, you ask him? I think you would, too. I think you uh, would, too. Man, I probably would. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm such a, a curious person of you that You really sort. are. It's a great quality you have. And, uh, you know, what would I ask him? Yeah. So how does it taste, really? <laughs> no, I, wouldn't you? You'd, I know you. I don't know. Yeah, I don't you, know that he cannibalized anybody, but... Uh, didn't he? No, Wait, am I wrong? No, I don't think he ate anybody. Oh, okay. Oh. You're thinking of uh, Who am Jeffrey I think? Dahmer. Je- Dahmer. Oh, I got the... Yeah, I was thinking about Jeffrey Dahmer. I always felt sorry for Jeffrey Dahmer. Like, we I, saw that movie, that really good movie, yeah, remember? Yeah. On Dahmer. Yeah. My friend Dahmer. Yeah. Yeah. With Dahmer, I'd say, so how does it taste, really? Does it taste like chicken? It tastes like my cop. <laughs> oh, <laughs> man. About finger food. Okay, all right, all right. But, um, you know, I, I want to say something else that I want to be articulate here. And there's another sadness element, not about Billy or what he did and all the people, but the need for people to get on a plane and fly to an island in the Bahamas where there's pretty girls and alcohol and dancing and rock music and rappers that we as a society are so obsessed with glamour, with the glitz, with the rock star persona. And there's something, and they'll pay thousands of dollars even to go by themselves so they can rock on at a festival Instead of being with some close friends and having a pizza and a good conversation, yeah. Do you can you appreciate what I'm saying? I totally can. The- and I think too, so much of it. And I know this sounds, this really kind of uh, makes us feel like we are out of it. But the Instagram culture has really yes. perpetuated that kind of mentality, it, it propelled them a mentality. It's, it's. This idea, it's, I mean, they talk about it in the documentary, the fear of missing out or FOMO. And I think you see all these pictures from 
fire festival and everybody would be having such a good time with all these you know hotties and beautiful beaches and stuff and you'd be going oh shit why am i not there i need to be there and i need to be the one sending back pictures that's right of me having a that's good right. time because it somehow makes me you know it elevates my status it elevates my um my self-worth in a sense because everyone will like it more and they they will have that fear of missing out and they'll you know, validate me because I was there. So my question is, could the same dynamic have happened before the advent of social media? Certainly social media fueled this like crazy. Yeah, certainly. I think you've got Woodstock. I mean, Woodstock was was almost that way, right? Right, right, yeah. I mean, yes, I think there's a lot of festivals that could have very easily turned into this, but just didn't. I think you got a lot of people at the last minute who just kind of pulled shit together. But with the nature of Instagram and sending pictures and stuff, it becomes contagious. It mushrooms. Right, right, yeah. right. right. And I think Woodstock is a fair example because I think the, the intent behind Woodstock was noble. I think everyone wanted it to, to work. With Fire Festival, I think you've got some core people who really just wanted some money. And that was the... the and with Woodstock, no one was promised luxury items. It was... I mean, they they were promised toilets, I guess, but you know they they weren't promised cabanas and beautiful beaches and things right, like that. Right, right. So, and when people show up, they're they're already planning to get dirty. Right, right. So there's a little bit of a different a, approach, and you get a little bit more of a of a leeway with a festival like that. But with this one, everybody expected to be wined and dined the whole time. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Mm, but those, yes, I think women. I think that's something that could have happened without the the digital social media age. revolution but not to the same extent though yeah i think so. i didn't realize at woodstock and this was in the documentary that quite a few people od'd they died they, yeah. they were trying to justify fire saying hey we can still come out smelling like a rose here we don't have to all collapse on but well wasn't the, it the brown acid wasn't it like don't eat the brown acid yeah that was yeah, from yeah, woodstock, yeah, wasn't yeah, it? yeah 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 wow I like how you know stuff. Yeah, man. But you liked the film, did I? I did. I, did I liked like it a lot. I also, I, I liked the music. I thought there was like cello music. There was some. Str- it was very somber, and it was fitting really well. Let me ask uh, you a question. Yeah. If there was a, I'm not going to say a festival. I'm going to say a a band or a performance. If there was one performance that you could have caught, if you could have been one that has actually existed. I mean, if you want to go to Fire Festival, I guess you can, but. In in history, up until this point, oh, who would you like to have seen? But you didn't. You didn't get to go. Now it needs to be somebody that was when you were alive. It shouldn't be like Beethoven, oh, you know, like oh. somebody that you could have gone to, but you missed out on. Yeah, I always would have liked to have seen Elton John in concert. Hmm. I mean, I'm fortunate that I've, I saw you know Paul McCartney. I saw the Beatles. At, at Dodger Stadium here in LA in the, the early 60s and and Peter Paul and Mary and Mamas and Papas and I was really fortunate that I saw these people uh, James Taylor Carol King a lot of my heroes so I was able to see that but Elton John I would have enjoyed that is there one performance in particular like one Elton John show that like man I would have loved to have seen him in Madison Square Gardens or something like that right not one is coming to mind what was it one called the, the what piano with this there was an adjective in front of the word piano the something piano where he's playing the piano? No. Well, he was always so, playing the piano. I know, but the, that was the name of his tour. The oh, something I don't know. piano. Anyway, um, yeah, that's a wonder. What about you? I would love to have seen Nirvana, and especially that Unplugged 
album that they did in New York. There was just it wasn't a very big audience. Man, it would have been so great to have been part of that. I think about that a lot. What a great show. Hmm. You know, I also heard I heard uh, someone told me this that the Rolling Stones had done a uh, on the last tour that they did. They played a real small, like 150 person club here in Los Angeles. Wow! But you had to get like tickets. There were there were like several steps you had to go through to get the tickets to ensure that it was you. You couldn't resell them, and uh, you know it was just this tiny little club that they were like, "Fuck it, we're gonna play for 150 people." Could you imagine? Wow! Wow! Seeing the Stones in wow. a tiny little place, like yeah. That. People would just be going nuts. I can't get no. I'm sad. You give me this incredulous. Why look. did you ruin my great little moment of podcast? I thought I was supplementing you. I, I thought I was <sighs> adding a layer, a texture. All right, all right. Let's get Let's into do money this. shots. Money shots. M- money shots, and then we'll do, talk about anti wave. Okay. Uh, you have a couple, do you? We never seem to do this in the right order. We but I like this order. order. No, it builds that way. I think okay. we should do money shot first. Money I, shots first. Yeah. Go. Man, I don't you think go. I have any money shots. Just some shots of the beaches. Um, I do remember. I, I, okay, I think I uh, the promo video stuff was really memorable. It was shot so beautifully that, and they kept kind of playing it too. That that um, that was definitely definitely memorable. But I think I'm gonna have to go with, uh, and I'm not stealing it because it really was my money shot as well. The woman at the end who was talking about her fifty thousand large woman Jamaican thick Jamaican accent man yeah. that was so it was coming from her heart yeah she really meant it and the camera lingered on her the camera stayed on her how could it not yeah it's yeah compelling. that that was haunting to me that really stayed with me what about you nice um, well there was I, I wish I knew this gentleman's title how he was involved he was a an associate producer or something he was gay. And he had to, everything was so desperate that he was going to go meet with the other guy because of what was the, the water getting through customs or something. Right. And he had to go to the office and he was told that he'd have to literally suck cock. And the way he <laughs> told that story, you remember that yeah. beat, right? I thought that was, wow. And yeah. he was prepared. He was to ready do to do it. He, he actually For said he gargled Listerine. He was all ready and he went there. With the intent of doing that, he was willing to do that to save Billy's ass. So they could get the water through customs, something like that. Wow. I mean, the way he told that story, that just stayed with me. What, what? I, I'm just imagining, though, like the realization later on, because he obviously told that story to a few people, and the realization later on going, what the fuck was I doing? I know. And you could tell that's what he was thinking. He was like, he even says, like, at this point in my career, what, what the right, fuck? Right, right, right. And I mean, there's it. It almost feels like there was some brainwashing going. on. I think there was like loyalty. There was, yeah, I was feeling there was loyalty to Billy because you're right. He was processing. He was aware of what he was saying and how he was coming across in that interview. He was there was a sub. He was. It wasn't being done blindfold. He knew what he was getting himself into, literally. But I think it was loyalty for Billy. Yeah, that's. But his at that point too, his reputation is on the line as well as yeah, Billy's. Yeah, and uh, you know he's he's got he's invested. Right. Fuck, I would have loved to have seen you at that festival. Just strap a GoPro on you and just watch you. I don't like sand. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, where's my suntan lotion? Where's my, what are those three letters again on those numbers? SPF. No one knows what they stand for. You probably do. Do you? Uh, No, I can't. Okay, yeah, SPF. Yeah, and I'd squint a lot and say, all right, can I go into my cabana now and watch TV? Oh. Hey, hey, my back hurts. Oh. Yeah. 
Yeah. All right. All right. All right. Is it anti-wave? Is it anti-wave? Right, who's so who's, who's going to go first? It's the sun protection factor. Thank you, producer <laughs> so, wait, Joey. Sun protection factor. Yeah. SPF. Yeah. Anti-wave? Who's going to go first? Uh, I'll okay. go first. All right. Let's hear it. Is it anti-wave? Well, okay. We've discussed this a few times. Documentaries are almost by definition always anti-wave. Agreed. Um, so it doesn't follow a typical structure in that sense, although well, it's a little formulaic. It was I guess, beginning, as far as middle, and end. Go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm going to give this movie about a six. Wow, we're on board. Whoa, you Sorry. dropped your mic, man. I got excited. Yeah. My mic almost fell on the ground. You're giving it a six. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, I'm comfortable with that. Number one, it's a documentary. Number push, two, push your mic back, bud, because it, you, oh, your I mic push, fell. Yeah. So closer to me? Yeah, man. How's that? Um, that number one's a documentary. Number two, it's a documentary about an epic fail. Right. And that's anti wave. Yeah. Epic fail. Number three, the subject is a con artist. Yeah. I almost feel like that's. Come on. That's I can't go anti-wave with you there. On that one, Maybe. you're with me on points to one and two, not on three? He's a con artist. He's a no-good Nick. What? Oh, okay. Why aren't you all buying right. that? All right, all right, all right. I'll give you're it not to too you. happy with that one. No, it's not a compelling one for me. And number four, it does reflect on our obsession with money and beauty. Yeah. And for those four reasons, I'm giving it a 6.1. Wow, you're, you you just went that point one, so you could say it's slightly more anti-wave than I said? I had to beat you. All right. Yeah. I say 6.1 as well. Not 6.2. I meant to say 6.2. Me, 6.2.2. Whatever you come up with, plus one. Plus one. Whatever you come up with, with me, is plus Ten. one. Plus one. That's like the volume control not going up to 11. Yours goes right. up to 11? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All yeah. right. Good. Yeah. I, d- I do want to point out, though, uh, you know, the way that we're talking about it almost makes it seem as if we didn't enjoy the film. It was a great film. Oh, it film. was a really well a really done. Really well nicely, yeah, nicely done. It's fascinating to watch. Yeah. yeah. And infuriating, too. I mean, those scenes where we saw the, the plane landing with all these throngs of people going to get their luggage, yeah. piles of luggage just dumped in a, in a mountain of luggage. That's mine over there. And this is no cabana and no beautiful no homes. No organization. The tents, the rain, the mud, where's our food? It was, it was like, it was, I was getting knotted up like, oh my God, these poor people, they're fucked over. I can almost see as they were doing it, like uh, as they were showing some of the behind the scenes of them setting up, you could almost see like, oh, you're not doing this right. I can, I can already tell just from having worked in film production for so long, like I know nothing about what you're trying to do, but I can already see that you're not doing this right. You're not doing this in an organized fashion. Like people's names aren't associated with the correct location of where they're going to be. And you're just hoping that someone else solves this problem. Right. Um, Anyway, all right, hey man, who Good. died this week? Ah, are you saying, gotta tell you, unfortunately, must the following people, they done turned to dust. We lost the following people in the industry the last seven days. Peter Zander, 96-year-old German-born actor, and he was in um, he was in Mr. The Return of Mr. Moto. <laughs> we lost Andrew uh, Wagner, 74-year-old Hungarian-American film producer. He produced films Nixon, Terminator 3, Rise of the Machines, and, and Medicine Man. So a prolific film producer, Andrew, died. Now, Kay Ballard, a very well-known singer. I don't know if you're familiar with her. American actress, too. She did a lot of TV, early TV, The Doris Day Show, and so on. Was known primarily as a singer. However, she was in the following films, uh, Freaky Friday, 
the first one, the first one, and she was also in Baby Geniuses. Hmm. So we lost Kay. We also lost Merwin Goldsmith, 81-year-old American actor. He was in Hercules in New York. I remember that film. Yeah. So he, you remember that? Yeah. Um, yeah. He's also in a film called Soup for One, which I remember. Dean Kopkowd, 52-year-old American, another stuntman. They were losing a lot of stuntmen. Young, 52-year-old. He was shot. It's almost like it's a dangerous profession. It is. Like, go figure. Go figure. He was in Resident Evil, uh, Apocalypse, Silent Hill, Pacific Rim. And, he's and he gone. was shot? Yes. Not suicide. Someone shot him. Uh, was it a stunt gone wrong? No, I think it was offset. I think it was off set. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Now, this is a name that really resonated with me, Robert. Dean Kopov. Well, is he involved in like the Russian mafia or something? What's Sounds that way. Well, he's Canadian, not Russian. But look at these films he was in. Shot at 52. Now, 82-year-old James Frawley. He directed and wrote a lot of the Monkees TV shows. American oh, yeah. television, film director, really prolific. But here it comes, justifying him on our list. He directed the Muppet movie. Wait a minute. He directed. I thought the, Jim Henson directed no, the Muppet no, movie. No, not the first one. This really? is great, producer Joey. Find out. Yeah, the Muppet movie. James Frawley directed the first one. He won Emmys and so on. He had a heart attack at the age of um, eighty-two. And while producer Joey is working on that, go ahead. Keep okay, going. I'm going to go on. The Dead Corner Spotlight Award goes to man. This one really hurt. This we lost a great one, uh, Michael Legrand. Oh, you're right. Yeah, it's James. Was it James? Frawley. Frawley. I, I used to think I was right. Wow. I guess, yeah. you, I guess you did your homework. I did my homework with this. Listen, uh, Michel, Michel Legrand, 86-year-old French composer. He did the Thomas Crown Affair, Renewals of Your Mind, The Other Side of the Wind, Umbrellas of Sherboard. These are great. The Summer of 42. I had all... Da-da-da-da. I love these soundtracks. Wait, I'm not done. Well, hold on. What? This is the composer for The Other Side of the Wind? Yeah. So he just got to see his movie finally released? No, the other side of the wind. Oh, the other side of the wind, bud. God, you're right. You're right. That's that Orson Welles. Yeah. Debacle. He just saw it released. And that he is, and then died. It, well, that's what killed him. <laughs> <laughs> I think you set me up for that. That's what killed him. But I got to tell you, I listened. Summer of '42 and French. These were all Thomas Crown affair. And I want to say he was an Oscar winner three times. He composed more than 200 film TV scores, several movies. Blah blah blah. He won three Oscars out of 13 nominations. 13 nominations. He's dead. Oh, there you go. Kirk Douglas. He also died. But he's not getting the Golden Spotlight Award. Yeah. Okay. Figures. Yeah. You got to do something important to get that. Yeah. Whew. Yeah. Hey, uh, real fast. Um, Want to do some letters? Yeah. May I do one? Do one. Are you in the mood for the ditty? Yeah. You are? Quick. Wait, how does it go? We hope you <laughs> listen. <laughs> make, our make our podcast better. We look better. You know, this gentleman wrote in, and the one that we didn't mention was a film I never heard well, of. What was I, it? Last it was week? called. Last uh, oh, week? we should remind people of what it was. What was and it? it was, what was underground, un, undercover, undercover movies? Yeah, yeah. Under you didn't yeah. think I'd remember, did you? Yeah. Undercover movies, and the one we did not include was a movie called Just One of the Guys. And I never heard of that film, and I looked into it, and it's about a high school student journalist, uh, female, yeah. and her investigative journalist stories are not taken seriously because she's a goyle, a girl, and so she dresses up as a boy. So there you go, 
undercover. Oh. I, I never. Yeah, heard if we're going to go that route, then we could we can include like uh, "Can't Buy Me Love" and all those movies where the guy dresses up. I guess we did start to go there with Soul Man. We went through. <laughs> yeah, we all saw those that. like the, yeah. the, the guy who dresses up as the girl kind of movies. Yeah, yeah. But you know what I thought of Yentl. In Yentl, Barbara oh. Streisand. That guy, I know that was from last week. Anyway, we just want to acknowledge just one of just one of the guys. So that's a movie that I hadn't heard of. Anyway, that's <laughs> just it one for of the guys. Life. I'm sure is very happy to be recognized. Ah, all right, good. Hey man, let's play a quick game. You want a to quick do game? I like games. This game is called Anti Up. I, you like this game pretty I, well, don't you? I like all of our games. All right, probably. so Anti Up. Anti Up. What we're gonna do is I'm gonna read off a description of a movie, a typical Hollywood movie, and you and I have to make it Anti Wave. All right, you ready? So I, I think I can already predict what the theme here is. So this first movie is from 2002, starring Matthew McConaughey and Christian Bale, directed by Rob Bauman, Reign of Fire. You already know what the theme is, right? These are going to be fire movies. Oh, she's good, your yeah. wife. She's good. She's really, she's so good. Okay, so here's the theme. Have you seen Reign of Fire? Do you know it? No. Okay. In present-day London, 12-year-old Quinn watches as his mother, a construction engineer, inadvertently wakes an enormous fire-breathing beast from its century-long slumber. That's a, a dragon, Ira. 20 years later, much of the world has been scarred by the beast and its offspring. As a fire chief, Quinn is responsible for warding off the beasts and keeping a community alive as they eke out a meager existence. Into their midst comes a hot-shot American, Van Zan, who says he has a way to kill the beasts and save mankind. A way Quinn's never seen done. Reign of Fire. What do you think? All right. Who's going first? Making this anti-way? How does it end? So it ends with... Well, they save the, the kill, day. The killing the beast. Yeah, killing the beast. Yeah, so have... uh, the clear one here is the, the beast kills everybody, right? Yeah, but I've got an Ira beat oh, I love to it. make it even more anti-way. Sometimes you like these Ira beats. You ready? Mm-hmm. This beast lays an egg. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the egg. And the camera slowly zooms in on the egg. And the and crack it starts to is crack. formed. Yeah, and out go. comes the little monster head cut to black. But see, that feels like the sequel. That That's Let's Hollywood. Show. How <laughs> right. would we anti-wave this? <laughs> well, that makes it a little bit more anti What's that? Is that Are you the end serious? Of Rain of Fire. Oh wow! I See, don't... I'm ahead of my time. <laughs> You're behind. <laughs> Is it really end with that? 2002. Joke? I read this movie. <laughs> I'm behind my time. 17 years behind. Uh, wow! It ends with the egg. All right. So, so what do you think of the beast? Hmm. The ah, I got it. Exactly. They kill the beast, but it turns out the beast has actually been. Like helping on the Earth friend, or something like yeah, some good yeah, it did some good. So they fucked themselves up, right? And the planet as well. Yeah. Boom. And the like the the dragon hasn't actually been killing people off the entire time. It's been aliens or something that's been coming down, and and the dragon has actually been defending. Yes, them. we killed the wrong thing. Yeah. We killed the one being that was helping Earth and humankind. There's your anti-wave that's ending. It. Boom. All right. Second one. You ready? I'm ready. Okay, this is a little a tiny movie from 1981. You may have not heard of it before. It's called Chariots of Fire. Uh, you, know movie? <laughs> you didn't like that movie, Robert. I hated this movie. I, you, I remember this. You did the not like the only part film. of that movie that's good is the the running sequence. The, with the but music. it's so much more than that. Yeah. All right. The so music. Let me tell you what it's about. Okay. Two British. Already, I'm bored. 
Two British track athletes compete in the 1924 I know why you didn't like it. One is a Jew. That's why you didn't like it. Well, clearly. Okay. They're Jewish, so I've already, I already know how to anti-wave this. I know. Chariots of fire. Just burn them. Burn all the Jews. Chimneys of fire. Re- rename it. Jeez. Oh, what? Oh, God. Even oh, Joey just moaned. Joey moans constantly. Are you kidding me? You act like, like she's immune to this. All right, so uh, they're competing in the 1924 Olympics. The son of a Lithuanian Jew, Harold, lives in a lives a somewhat privileged life as a student at Cambridge. Uses being the fastest to overcome what he sees as the obstacles he faces in life as a Jew, despite that privilege. Eric, a Scot, is a devout member of the Church of Scotland who eventually wants to return to that missionary work. He sees running as a win-win in that the notoriety of being fast gives him an added outlet to spread the word of God, while he sees his speed as being a gift from God and wants to run to honor God and that gift. Liddell defeats all the American favorites and wins the gold medal. What year does this movie take place? 1924. Mm, okay. Boring. That was a great movie. Mm-hmm. I did. I was swept away by that film. Really? There it is. Producer Joey. You and I need to have a conversation. You're never allowed to put movies on this list that will give Ira a song to sing, especially one with the lyrics where he can go this long. All right. So I think I already, I already anti-waved this. <laughs> you did, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, just burn all the Jews. It was called World War II. All right, so... <laughs> I thought the Christian guy takes a branding iron and just puts a uh, puts a shh right on the forehead, a swastika on the Jew's forehead. I got, I got one. Yeah. They don't make the Olympics. They don't qualify. <laughs> Movie over. Mo- yeah. Act one, the end. Yeah, but it's probably Jews who are behind the Olympics and making it a success. Why is it always got to be so anti-Semitic with you, Ira? <laughs> I, I'm moving on. Number three, last one here. Okay. 1989, starring Dennis Quaid, Winona Ryder, directed by Jim McBride. Goodness gracious, great balls of fire. The story of Jerry Lee Lewis, arguably the greatest and certainly one of the wildest musicians of the 1950s. He married his cousin. His arrogance, remarkable talent, and unconventional lifestyle often brought him into conflict with others in the industry and even earned him the scorn and condemnation of the public. Yeah, You know, I've been told, is he still alive? Somebody said he he's is. still, that's amazing. He's still, he's still, he's still playing. How old is he? I, I mean, w- 43, 44? Oh, what are you oh. talking about? No, he is alive. He's though. old as the hills, man. Yeah, and he's still alive. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, um He's still performing. Yeah. Look, I, I think we're gonna have trouble here because he married his fucking cousin. Yeah, he did. Yeah, his first cousin. She was twelve years old. Yeah. That's it, it's already anti wave. It's already anti wave. Yeah. Um Yeah. Yeah. But if we're gonna But anti- we find out it wasn't really his cousin, it was his little sister. <laughs> that helps. That makes it more anti wave. It also bends the truth a little bit. So what? Truth schmooth. Uh, maybe, uh, I got it. He he breaks up with his sister or cousin, whatever it is that we're, we're doing, and decides that he breaks up the marriage and goes for a younger woman. A younger woman. Yeah. And he, he, he torches like eight. His, his balls on fire. It's his ball, great balls of fire. Yeah, that's it. That's where he gets the inspiration for the song. Oh, yeah. Really sick. He's got he's got uh, a massive case of herpes. That's it. And he's having sex with an underage 
girl. Yeah, when he's inside her, he's, it's like itching, itching. Yeah. It's like, great, good God, great balls of fire. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's where the song came from. <laughs> and that's how he composes the song. Man, we can ante up all yeah. day long. Yeah. <sighs> okay. Something tells me producer Joey's never going to give us this game to play again. <laughs> <laughs> all right, man. Hey, let's do some top five. You want Top five and hit it, Vern. It's time to give a listen, you little creeps, to our top five. All right, a top five this week. Are, uh, yes, movies about disappointment. Or you would say, you like economy of words. Yeah. Disappointment movies. I do. I like I that. I know. It's Top tight. five disappointment so, movies. Good. All right. Well, you you want to go first. You want to go, go first? Yeah, you go first. You got it. Okay. My number five from 1990. It's about an author who is driving home and he has a catastrophic car accident and almost dies. But luckily... Someone pulls him from the wreckage of his car and saves him, and it turns out to be one of his biggest fans. Forrester? For Forrester? No, am I wrong? Is it like that? I'm thinking about the title. Misery. 1990s misery. I, I have no idea what the fuck. No, you're there was a little of. film called Forrester. Okay, never mind. So, and it turns out that this fan, what a disappointment. <gasps> You know, she is not who he wants pulling him out of that wreckage. So that's my number you know, five. I had fun with this disappointment. I mean, that we're it's it's going to be really broad. I think okay, and matching that, that's good, Robert. Mine is nineteen ninety seven, um, the movie Titanic. What a disappointment that yeah. the boat hit an iceberg. That's really <laughs> a disappointment. See, I thought you were going to say what a disappointment that Jack dies. No, I'm doing, I'm, that's my number two. I have okay. two points. And my second one is that it's really disappointing that the wooden panel, some people think it was a door or yeah. a wooden panel, couldn't hold both of them. Oh, what a disappointment. I think he, it could have been. I know. People think that was a flaw in the yeah. film, that they both could have been on there, but the bitch let him drown. You know, I heard something... Um, I heard something about the uh, uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson, the uh, the um, astrophysicist. He had seen it, and he made a comment about where where the Titanic sank. That the stars in the sky when it happened were not correct. Wow! wow. And James Cameron went back, and when he re-released the film, he actually he, he fixed re- it. Wow! Isn't that funny? That's I nuts. like Neil. I like that guy a lot. That astronomer, he's quite articulate. All right, that's great. So that's our numbers five. All right, my number All right, go with your four. number four. My number four is from 1953, and it's about a guy who saves the town and uh, and gets everybody back up to where they need to be. It's a western, but then little boy wants him to stay, and he's extremely disappointed as Shane rides off into the sunset, and he won't come back. So the boy's disappointed. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. That's nice. Shane! Yeah. Come yeah. back, Shane! Yeah. You remember Shane? Did you see Shane? You never saw it? <laughs> Send me home with it. <laughs> oh, man. It's a good movie. It's I'm good sure Western. it is. I'm yeah. sure it is. Yeah. But, you know, famously, the, the last sequence is the boy who's like begging Shane to stay. Yeah. And, and of course, Shane can't stay because he's not part of that society. I understand. Really. He has to ride off in the wilderness. And... A quick, uh, a quick side note that really um, eagle-eyed viewers will notice that Shane is kind of slumped over in his horse, and a lot of people think that he's dead because he's been shot, and he rides off, and some people think that he was actually dead as he was riding. Wow, off. huh? Yeah, there you go. I like so the way, way you do that, Shane. I like the way you do the crying out as the boy. Come back, 
fuck, Shane? That's how he does it. Mm-mm-mm. They don't make them like that anymore. Yep. And uh, what are we doing? But number five was Titanic. Number four, I have mentioned it a couple times before, but I'm going to repeat ordinary people. Mm. How disappointing that number one, <laughs> <laughs> number one, the son dies in a boating accident. Right. Oh, what a shame. But what also, this is a double whammy because mom, Mary Tyler Moore, was really good now. What a bitch. And she alienates her living son. So she's a disappointment to both her husband and the surviving son. What a double whammy. What a disappointment. Mm-hmm. That's good. All right. My number three. My number three is from 1974. Now, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to tell you. I'll tell you the movie, and I'll even tell you the line, and you're going to tell me the disappointment. I like this. All right. You ready? Go. Maybe I'll just do the line. I knew it was you, Fredo, and you broke my heart. Do you know it? Joey. Joey, what is it? Godfather 2. It is Godfather. It's 2? Yeah. yeah. Godfather 2. And so the disappointment being... His brother sold him out. Got it. Got it. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah. That's a great line, too. It's a great line. Scene, there's a lot of disappointment in that movie. You know, he, he was riding high, and then it all just started falling apart. A lot of people say that we talked about. The second one was the best of the three. Yeah, it's certainly interesting. Yeah. Yeah. All right. What do you got? Nice. What's your number three? Nice. You're going to like my number three a lot. Okay. I'm about to get me some Robert Respect. We critiqued it on our show 2007, The Writer, R-I-D-E-R. I knew you'd like this one, Robert, um, about a a writer of horses, and he suffers uh, brain damage and also physical, where he has trouble moving his arm and his hand and so on while he's in a uh, Bronco riding competition, and, um, and he was told by the doctors that he can't ride again. And wow, what a disappointment. Mm-hmm. That's my number three. That's nice. Thank you, buddy. My number two is from 2000. And it's a movie that centers on four different characters, each of which get their own little addiction to drugs. Requiem for a Dream. Wow. And that's everyone in that movie has some form of disappointment. I've never seen that film. You haven't? No. Oh, Ira. Yeah. Yeah. I hear it's really disturbing. Oh, Ira. Yeah. You gotta see see it. it. Do you have that movie? I don't know if I own it or not. I'm curious about that film. You should see it. Yeah. It's, uh... You talk about a spiral. That movie starts spiraling. It just gets tighter and tighter. It's the same guy who did Pi. Same director. Oh. Oh. And also Mother? Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mother. You would like this a lot. Yeah. You need to see it. Check it out this week. And I'm Black, sure you can find it. And Black some. Swan. Okay. Yeah. 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 Darren Aronofsky. Yeah. Okay. What do you got? Nice. Number two. You're going to be impressed once again. All right. Mm-hmm. Going back to a classic. I am doing... A movie called A Christmas Carol. Now, there's a lot of incarnations of this film. I'm taking the one that was done in 1984 with George C. Scott, which I saw 1984? in... 1984? Th- 1984. Okay. Yeah, there was a version with George C. Scott. It didn't get enough publicity, I think, but it was a very good, solid, grounded movie. And I want to say that the ghosts of Christmas past, present, and future, obviously they haunt Scrooge, but... But what he's really haunted by is himself and the recognition of what he has become. He's disappointed in himself. Mm. It's getting a little heavy. Heady. Are you impressed? No, not really. I didn't think so. (laughs) (laughs) All right. My number one is a movie that I've only seen one time. And uh, I saw it once. And I can still remember almost everything from the movie. I saw it in 2009 when it came out in the theater. 
and I've been a little too scared to watch it again um, for two reasons. One, I'm afraid it's going to affect me again. And two, because I don't want it to be not as good as what I remember. Wow. But I've talked about it quite a bit on this show. What's the year again? 2009. So 10 years ago, I saw this movie. And uh, the first 10 minutes of this movie have more disappointment oh than my I've god ever i know seen. i know i know what? is it an animation it is up up yeah wow man we've talked about that segment at the beginning the whole movie it, the is whole fantastic movie is about, but that the first 10 that's 15 really minutes nice. that's nice. just so much disappointment with uh with the, the old man and the woman they finally find their their balance and they fall in love and then the disappointment of her not being able to have kids and then the disappointment of her dying and leaving him alone. Oh my goodness, that's some masterful filmmaking. And none of that done with any dialogue. All just set to beautiful music. music. The music was wonderful. Now, I will say that the music does, as I've said before, sometimes tell you what to feel. Yeah. But fuck, it's good. Yeah. It's really, really solid yeah. music. Real nice. Yeah. There we, you go. We have no overlapping. Well, with a disappointment as yeah, a theme. It's pretty I broad. Pretty damn broad, isn't yeah, what it? what do you got? Well, as you know, my number two is a Christmas movie called A Christmas Carol. My number one is another Christmas movie. A it's Christmas a, story. No, he, not a Christmas story. He doesn't story. shoot his eye out. Shoot my eye out. Right. Ovaltine. Okay. All right. Um, it's a Wonderful Life. Uh, 1946 with, with Jimmy Stewart. Frank okay. Kepper movie. Now, listen. George, George Bailey felt he was a disappointment. I did I've he seen didn't that, yeah. have the money, he couldn't take care of his family, he was becoming a, almost like a pauper. Well, he he was wanted to commit, commit suicide, suicide right. on the bridge with the famous line I, I wish I'd never been born. What disappointment with of course a beautiful uplifting ending about what would have, what would life would have been like if you weren't born. But um indeed, that character was quite disappointed throughout much of the film. Yeah. The point himself. That's my number one. These were good. Yeah. Do you have any scoops? I do. Um, you know, I have like a whole Disney scoop here. Um, first of all, let me give you one that's not Disney. Cast Away. When Wilson... That's a, that's my, is that one of your scoops? Sco- I want Mrs. Wilson. Robert. That's Robert, pretty good. Robert. We did overlap. I love it. Well, scoop is scooping overlapping? No. Overlapping? No. Not really. But how about these? Bambi. You know when Bambi's mom yeah. dies? Yeah. There you go. Uh, the Fox and the Hound. I just started thinking about some animated films. And when the, the woman leaves the, the fox behind, I don't know if you remember that, but there's this one sequence where she drives away and leaves the fox, and he's so lonely and just kind of staring, and she, she leaves the fox behind. And Old Yeller. Oh, my God. Old Yeller. Yeah. What a disappointment. Oh. He shoots the dog. Yeah. The father said, you want me to do it, son? No, dad. I'll do it. And then the little puppies come from old yell and they lick his face. But then he kills them. Yeah. (laughs) There you go. And I was also thinking alien. And here's why. In the first alien, he gets the alien in his chest. They don't know what's going on. And then he comes back to life. And they're all like, yeah, all right. They have this dinner, like, whatever the fuck that thing was. Ha, ha, ha. And then the alien bursts out of his chest. What a disappointment. You are so funny. That's great. I know. You think everything's all right? What a disappointment. Yeah. 
That's pretty good. This is a funny top five we had this week. All right, what do you got? I just want to say that the only scoop I have is Castaway, but there's three. Count them, three disappointments. Number one is FedEx plane crashes. That's a huge disappointment. Yeah. And, uh, and number two, Wilson. We lose Wilson, the volleyball. That's that's a, that's a quite a scene. Right. And that's a huge disappointment. And number three, when he makes it back on land, we find out that his wife remarried. That's a third. Three disappointments. Yeah. Well, there you go. Cool. We overlapped on a scoop. Yeah, man. Yeah. How about that? We did it. Yeah. Hey, what are we doing next week? I don't know. What are we doing next week? <laughs> We're going to do a movie. We are. Yeah. You don't think you're testing me again. What is it? Well, I was going to say Laurel and Hardy, but oddly enough, it's uh, Stan, t- Stan and, Ollie. and Ollie. But why is it? Uh, it's Stan Laurel, Stan Laurel and Oliver Hardy. Yet the name of the movie is Stan and Ollie. Ollie. Oh, so it's first they go with first name and so yeah, that's it. Yeah. That's another fine mess you've got me into. Do, 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 do. Okay. All right. all right, so we're gonna watch Stan and Ollie next week and uh we'll be reviewing that. So if you want to check out Stan and Ollie, then we'll be talking about it next week. Um as for this show, hey man, if anybody has any uh any disappointments other than disappointment in this show, <laughs> uh you can send those to us. To you could send us to it. Send it to us through email, which is at Robert fucking man. I can't do this. It's another fine mess you've got me into. All Let's right, try it again. Take two. All right. Are you send gonna, us an email to Robert out? at antiwavepodcast.com or uh, and slash or Ira at antiwavepodcast.com. Or you can send us a message through Instagram or Twitter, which is at antiwavepod. We're all over the place, aren't we, Robert? Yeah. Yeah, you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. We're on Podbean, too. We're all over the place. Go to our website. Yeah, and you can let us, uh, you can support us and keep the sprocket wheels moving. Sprocket wheels. Yeah, as you uh, give us some money on, on Patreon. I shouldn't say money. I should just say support. How about some support? <laughs> Financial support. That sounds a little better than giving us cash. I want the money. Oh, all right, yeah. more money. Yeah. That does help pay for the bills and uh, you know pay for the web hosting and things like that. So if you listen, uh, just throw five or six bucks over there at Patreon. That'll really help us out. And if everybody just chips in a little bit, then we can keep the sprocket wheels moving. Mm. Mm. Hey, uh, no thanks to producer Joey this week. She didn't do shit. Just kidding. She did a great job. Let's give her a yeah. Round of applause. Woo! Nice job pulling all those anti-wave movies, uh, or anti-up movies, and then the movies that Ira and I can't think of on the spot. Nice job there, Producer Joy. Hey, that's it. Another one. Yeah, man. Another one bites the dust. Get out of here before you start singing. Okay, okay. All right, so until next week, keep watching movies. And we'll help you sort them out. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, how was that? Oh!